on today's episode. Compare what the modern idea is or you know, common conceptions are to you know, what Scripture says. I mean, what, what does Scripture instruct men about their wives in marriage? It says, love your wives. And it doesn't mean just be affectionate toward them, have warm feelings. No, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave up his life for her. That's the standard. That's the ideal that's given for men. Well, take a step back. What could be a more romantic thing for a man to do for the woman he loves than to give up his life for her? I mean, obviously, we hope that's not going to be the the common thing going on there, but <laughs> that is a wonderful ideal to be looking at, a way to demonstrate love. It's, it's the giving. It's the selflessness. Welcome to the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. People today face many opportunities and struggles when it comes to issues of life and death, marriage and family, health and science. We're here to bring a fresh biblical perspective to these issues and more. Join us now for Life Challenges. Hi, and welcome back. I'm Krista Potratz, and I'm here today with pastors Bob Fleischman and Jeff Samuelson. Today, we're going to talk about romance, specifically a Christian perspective on romance. This episode is inspired by Valentine's Day this week, and so we just want to talk about some of these ideas and different things, both in our culture, but then also with the biblical perspective on it as well. And kind of where I wanted to start was just this idea of modern romance romance and what it kind of currently looks like in our culture today. So how would you guys describe what modern romance is? I think it's a bit of a, a problem to be asking guys to describe it in the first place. <laughs> well, if you want to ask me what it is, I'll tell you. Uh, well, well why, don't, why don't we do that? Why don't we? Let's, yeah, let's, Krista, what, what, what do you think modern romance is? How would you define it or describe it? Boy, um, I guess... In our culture today, too, it really does seem to go to like this feeling, right? You have this romantic feeling. And I think our just our shows and our society and everything just kind of go to that. It just kind of seems like that it is about the feeling of it. Yeah, I, I'd say I, almost putting a finer point on that from what I observe is it's a, a thrill. It's not romance unless there's this oh, kind of shivery, wonderful feeling that comes along with, oh, he looked at me or she touched me or or the perfect situation with the sunset and the uh, champagne and everything. Oh, that's that's romance. Again, it's it's an entirely subjective kind of thing. The the one thing I think just to kind of to put a an umbrella over all of it as I see it is that romance today definitely has to be self-serving to some degree. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, I'm going to be romantic but I got to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult for people to understand the sacrificial component of romance. And we can get into that a little bit later. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really a great point, Bob, because that's kind of what I was thinking of too. Like when I talked about the feeling, I I think it is very much, I want to feel a certain way. And I think that this is how I should feel and how it should happen. A lot of expectations, I think, too, today in, in modern romance as well. We really wanted to get deep and philosophical about it, and I'm not suggesting that we do. Interesting question is, to what extent are ideas of romance guided by, influenced by, inspired by uh, literature and media and films and and songs and things like that? And to what extent is it the other way around? Uh, Because you have these ideas, well, is the media reflecting the idea that people have, or are people getting ideas from the media about what should be? I I was just reminded by this conversation about in uh, the medieval era, uh, the Middle Ages, it was not expected, at least among the, the nobility and such, that you ever got married for purposes of love. It was always a matter of politics or economics or whatever. But the ideal that in a lot of that that upper crust of society was that you would still have plenty of romance. It just wouldn't be with someone you were married to. Uh, and the question was always, how far would you let that go? But that that influenced the whole idea, you know, the fairy tale idea of the knight in shining armor and, and, and all that. And to what extent did people over the years get the idea, well, well, that's the ideal. That's what I should have. That's what I deserve. And to what extent today is what we see on Hallmark Channel or Harlequin Romances, if those are still a thing, I don't remember. And, and those kinds of things, you know, to what extent is that reflecting what people are feeling and to what extent is that influencing what people come to expect. Yeah, so kind of along those lines then too, taking what the the messages that the culture gives us today, what does a modern marriage kind of look like or a dating relationship kind of in in our culture? What what does it kind of tell us about those things? Because it's become so me-oriented and because the individual has so many different interpretations. Every every individual has so many interpretations as to what is the ideal relationship. So romance could be cross-genders. Uh, romance could be just somebody who, who doesn't want to be you know, uh, involved romantically. For them, romance is I'm living my life, my, my dreams, and so forth. I think the, the culture today it projects an extremely confusing Message. I, you know, I even as we're sitting here, I'm trying to think what shows on television would characterize r- romance. What what would probably be? I can't think of one. I can't think of one that. I mean, I I think of shows that have romance in it, but sometimes they're so different. You know, like you'll have um, NCIS and there'll be romantic tension between two officers and so forth. Is that is that modern romance? Uh, I go to Big Bang Theory. And all of a sudden, you've got a different kind of tension. And so it's, but I, I agree with Jeff. I think, um, I, I think it's a good question which influences what. I'm inclined to think that we're influenced by media. We're, what you see, when I was, um, when my vicar year, uh, which was 1981 82, so uh, I vicared in Savannah and Mount Carroll, Illinois. And at Savannah High School, professor from, Platteville, I think, came down. His name was Ray Short, 
And he wrote a book called Sex, Love, or Infatuation. And it was presented to the student body. And, you know, you're sitting in this presentation, and by the time he's done, you're fairly convinced you got married for all the wrong reasons. And But he, he but it was a very thought-provoking, and I think he's still alive, and I think his book is available on uh, Amazon. But it, but it was very interesting because he was talking about the different reasons why people become interested in someone. And I think to some degree that exists to today. I think he hit something a little bit more foundational than what you get from a regular television show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I kind of ask the question, too, and then um, just throw in kind of the dating relationship and what our culture kind of talks about with that, too, I it reminds me, I um, saw a, a video this week of a, a person who was maybe in her 20s, and she had um, just recently really, really strengthened her faith and realized that the way she was living, especially with being intimate with people before marriage was wrong, but she said it was really hard for her because culturally she had always been taught that that's how you have a connection with someone, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you're dating. And so like that was what she was taught, like that, you know, this is how you connect with someone and experience like that romance and everything. And so now shifting that thinking was just something that she was just talking about how that was for her. And it just made me think to along this line that I think in our culture today, yes, that physical intimacy is very much portrayed in media. And it is just something that is expected, especially in modern dating today. Yeah. And I I think a lot of what would be defined as romantic for a lot of people has that idea of physical intimacy involved with it somewhere that what in the past might have just been, yeah, just kind of the situation or it's, it's just the two of us alone and it's a nice location and, and, and we have a chance to share our thoughts and feelings. Now it's much more, okay, we, we know where this is heading as part of the whole idea of, of romance. There is a, Government released studies on the shocking uh, rise of syphilis, you know, sexually transmitted disease. Ironically, gonorrhea had been had dropped, but syphilis was on the rise. And there was an editorial I read this morning from Carl Truman, where he Carl writes that we we continued to protect, you know, kind of this free sex type thing at all costs, defying all logic. And I was talking to one of my staff people today about that. And um, she had pointed out, she said, you know, when the government realized that smoking was bad for you, they didn't tell you, well, just smoke smoke safely. They said, stop. They want you to stop. If you're driving with your your arm out the window and they, they say, well, that's, that's how you're getting skin cancer. It's all that sun on it. You know, you better wear that protected. They don't, they don't want you to just be a little safe. They, they want you to cut it out. You know, don't, don't, don't do that. But then when we get to the drive for sex and sex seems to just kind of like dominate every industry. I mean, even when you watch period pieces of, um, you know, history, they just, they seem to feel the need to spice it up with the sexual component. And I think that that has transmitted a very distorted view of what romance is. Well, I mean, I think we could talk all day really about the cultural aspects of this. But just shifting a little bit, um, how does this compare now to what Scripture has to say? Well, Scripture has um, 
not surprising. A lot to say about marriage. Um, perhaps surprising to some people has very little to say about dating, um, simply because that's not the way relationships were formed, particularly marriages were formed uh, at the uh, you know the time the Bible was written. But uh, the things that uh, the Bible says are important about marriage uh, are very countercultural these days. It's one man, one woman until death parts them. It's uh, only marriage between the opposite sexes, uh, divorce only in cases of, of, of adultery or abandonment, and the idea that marriage and sex are a, a joined gift. Marriage is the only proper place for, for such physical in- intimacy. And so that's, that's the ideal that the scripture gives us. But scripture also points out to us why there are problems with marriage and makes clear that that's the reality, that there are going to be problems. And we see that already at the time of the fall, Genesis 3 already, with how the perfect marriage that Adam and Eve had was corrupted, and therefore every marriage after that is going to have trouble, is going to have difficulty. Uh, no matter how romantic it may have started, you know there are going to be stresses and strains and conflicts. And that alone uh, is a message that a lot of people in our society don't seem to get. They go into marriage thinking that, oh, well, this is always going to be perfect because mm-hmm. we're so in love. And then when stresses and strains actually come, you know, whether they're internal or external, they somehow think something must, must have gone wrong with marriage itself or with their love or something. And, and, uh, they just don't understand. We seem to have lost the word commitment as the centerpiece of marriage. You know, it, um, it's commitment, but it's always commitment with uh, quote marks, like I'll be committed as long as, and I'll be committed so much if I get this in return and so forth. And one of the shocking things that occurred a number of years ago on the 700 Club, Pat Robertson kind of startled, it made national news when somebody had uh, written a letter and said, you know, my wife's got Alzheimer's for the last few years. I'm wondering if I could um, just start dating, you know, and... And I don't know what Pat was doing, but he he just said, oh, he goes, uh, Alzheimer's is a horrible thing, horrible thing, you know, but I think he should just divorce her and go on. And, and of course, um, the hostess there said, well, what about till death do us part? Yeah, I know. We teach. I, it was it was incredible. He kind of acted like like that was an unfortunate thing that slipped into the Bible, you know. But the um, but the point was is that. It had shifted, in, even in Pat's eyes, from the commitment um, to what you get out of it. And for those of us who've been married for a while, the commitment is what gets you through the times when you don't get out of it what you are looking for. You know, the times you have the spat, you know, the, the disagreement about how to raise the kids, what to do with the kids, where to go, what to do. When you're committed, this is not a deal breaker. It's just a spat. You know, it's, it's a disagreement. But, you know, I think most any pastor will tell you, the couples will come in, and when you sometimes drill down to what's at issue, it's it's sometimes, I you know, not to them, but but biblically, it's petty. You know, it's, it's a disagreement. It's somebody was looking for something, they didn't get it, and all of a sudden, commitment meant nothing. Yeah. And, and your talk of commitment reminds me of what you were saying earlier about sacrifice. Compare what modern idea is or you know common conceptions are to you know what scripture says i mean what what does scripture instruct men about their wives in marriage he says love your wives and he doesn't mean just be affectionate toward them have warm feelings no love 
your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave up his life for her. That's the standard. That's the ideal that's given for men. Well, take a step back. What could be a more romantic thing for a man to do for the woman he loves than to give up his life for her? I mean, obviously, we hope that's not going to be the the common thing going on there, but <laughs> that is a wonderful ideal to be looking at, a way to demonstrate love. It's, it's the giving. It's the selflessness. Uh, and yet, um, our society is so consumed with self that being selfless uh, is just a head-scratcher for a lot of people today. And again, you know, it very much influences people even within the church. I think you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but is romance then something Christians should expect or work for in their love relationships? I think it depends on what we mean by romance. I thought about this when we were preparing for this. You know, I, I think of a, of a mother and a father's commitment to a newborn child. It's incredible commitment. It's getting up in the middle of the night. When my first children were born, I was still a student in college in the seminary, and I had done a lot of reading. I was already involved in pro-life work, and I'd read a lot about SIDS, you know, sudden infant death syndrome. And I remember multiple times, and I never am a uh, hard sleeper anyways, multiple times getting up in the middle of the night, checking on the girls, making sure they were all right. The sacrifices you make, we're not staying out late. You don't think anything of it, and you get nothing in return, really. But through that whole process of that commitment form, your affection for them grows. And then as it grows, and they be, they become older, and they're, they're, your relationship with them grows, you begin to find enormous pleasure in doing things for them surprising them what would what would make them happy on their birthdays and stuff like that and i often wondered you know when the when a couple would come in for pre-marriage counseling and you know we talk about ephesians 5 which is the word agape it's a commitment type of a concept of love not just a flow or a, a softer kind of you know a romantic friendship kind of love and and jesus has both for us but if couples started first of all with the idea of a commitment, that this relationship begins with a commitment. You know, you're going to always get the couple who's going to say, and we will spend the rest of our lives finding out about each other. Okay, but have you started from commitment or have you started from, well, so far I kind of like what I see, you know, and, and a lot of times that's where it is. That's what I meant when, you know, you sit down and listen to Ray Short. Uh, you get done listening to him, you're going, oh, man, I, I'm not sure I did this in the right order, you know. Man. My answer too, as to whether romance is you know, being something that Christians should expect, is is a yes and no kind of thing. Yes, in that romance, it's it's a gift of God to to your marriage if you are married to you and your spouse. It's a good thing. It's a it's a happy thing. It's it's something that's going to make your marriage better and stronger, more productive, make you both more more happy and 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 happy in in your marriage. You know, and if it's just a, a dating relationship, romance, it's going to be something that. It'll help you see and experience um, more about marriage, more learn more and grow closer, as, as Bob was talking to to your your potential spouse and everything like that. And it can even be just kind of a, a, a warning sign if you know you're dating somebody for months and there's just no romance. That's that's probably a signal to you that, that this is probably not the relationship for me. But you know the the no is if you're taking the 
outside external cultural ideas of romance and trying to superimpose those on your relationship and judge everything by that. So, oh, well, you know, this, I, I don't have a happy marriage because my, my husband doesn't bring me flowers as often as, as the neighbor's husband brings her flowers or some, you know, whatever standard you're using there. That's just a formula for, for discontent and, uh, and difficulty in, in your marriage. And so you've got to work a little bit to keep separate. Okay. What, what are the real standards that I, as a Christian man or woman, am going to be applying here? And what are things that I'm just pulling in from the world or even from my own sinful flesh that I'm, I'm expecting of the other or expecting of the relationship that really are not things that God has given me any reason to, to expect or, or count on. So then what would you say is fair and wise to expect from your spouse or, or partner? Probably loyalty, I think. Uh, just a genuine commitment to each other. And I, I think it's interesting when you look at, you know, Jeff early on had summarized kind of what breaks up a marriage. And you got to ask yourself, why do those things break up a marriage? It's because they are in direct violation of the loyalty or the commitment between a couple. And that really seems to be the bedrock of of that relationship. and But it's also the bedrock of the relationship Christ has with the church. The church was not very lovable. He still cries out from the cross, forgive them. They just got done nailing me to the cross and everything, but, but forgive them. So, you know, by, by most standards, it's not the, the establishment of a very healthy relationship. And yet, on his side, it was about as committed as you can possibly perfectly be. And I think that that's that's got to be it. But my problem is, is almost talking this way in today's society just seems like, a, like it's a pipe dream. It's just not going to happen. I, the idea that that you marry for romance and for affection and stuff like that, that's only a few hundred years old. I mean, that's. But a lot of th- things you read from earlier years, romantic poetry and stuff like that, that's not how they got married. They got married usually, you know, by an arrangement with the parents and so forth. And yeah. I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before this episode, too, about sometimes, you know, it happens like that uh, people come into pastor or counselor's office and they'll just say, the romance is gone. I just don't feel the same way or my husband or, you know, significant other could be the wife um, just isn't uh, giving me that romance and isn't, you know, and, and don't. And then you usually hear somebody say, don't I deserve to be happy? Don't I deserve to have that? What would you kind of say in in response to something like that? I, I think a lot of pastors uh, at that point are doing a lot of biting their tongues because <laughs> they want to say, what makes you think you deserve any of this stuff? Uh, you know, haven't you heard any of these messages about how sinful we all are and everything, but realistically, how, how do we deal with that? We, we try at that point, help the, that individual separate what is true and scriptural from what is uh, emotional or cultural. You know, what What are these expectations you have? By what standard are you saying you expect X or expect Y? If we can go into Scripture, you know, particularly like Ephesians chapter 5, but also plenty of other places in Scripture that talk about, you know, relationships and how we should love love each other. If we can go into that and say, yeah, my husband or my wife is is not 
doing what what this is called for. Well, then, then, then we then you as a as a pastor or as a couple, you know what it is that that needs to be addressed in in a fully scriptural way in terms of law and gospel, sin and grace, forgiveness and repentance, and and, and all that. But if there are other things that are just being brought in, it's like, well, I think I deserve this because I deserve to be happy. Well. Then you have to address the matters like, you know, actually, that's that's not in Scripture. It's a common idea, but it's not, you know, there's nothing in Scripture that says you're going to be happy at all, let alone that's something you deserve because you're married. Certainly, we're not saying that God wants anyone to be unhappy, but Christians understand that our lives are are full of pain and suffering. You know, we we all are called to to carry a cross. You know, and and that's not to say that we should always be miserable or anything like that. But if your standard is an impossible one, and one that we, as Scripture makes clear, is is not something to be expected, well, then then that's something that need, needs to be addressed. Obviously, all of us want every marriage, particularly every Christian marriage, to be as happy as possible. We want husbands to love their wives and, and wives to respect their husbands and and uh, everybody to get along and, and everything to be wonderful. But there is sin in this world and there is sin in every one of us, which means that we have to deal with that reality. And sometimes that means you've got to bring people's expectations down a few notches uh, to that reality. And once they understand that, then it, there's a lot more room for happiness. When you sit down with a couple and you talk about uh, the biblical concept of loving each other, I I wonder what they mean by that. I wonder what the couple means by that. You know, when I'm hearing this discussion about deserve to be happy, that almost disqualifies you for marriage because you don't deserve to be happy. I think, I think a, a cornerstone of a successful marriage is one that says she deserves to be happy and I'm, I will do what I can to make that happen. The old traditional marriage right is for rich or poor, sickness and health, till death do us part. And of course, everybody's, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. People don't always understand what that means. When I've sat down with couples where one of them's worked in a nursing home or somebody had been a caregiver for a parent or something like that, uh, I feel better about them because I think they understand what it is. It's great. I am deeply, deeply, passionately in love with my wife, but it's it's rooted in almost nothing that the world values. It's not rooted in in sexuality. It's not rooted in always being able to do wonderful trips. It's not because if it was rooted in all that, marriages would be over. You know, by the time you know couples got into their seventies or eighties. I mean, mm-hmm. they would. And, and, and a lot of times, I mean, that's what we're seeing too. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. is just kind of that shortness of of marriage. And yet, it you know, it's hard to, it's hard to put my finger on it. I probably could say I love Diane more now than I ever did in my life, and part of it is because she needs me now more than she ever did, and so you you devote, you sacrifice. But the thing is, is that we do a lot of talking about what she's going through and 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 everything going on, and one of the issues that come out is how you do feel pulled by what the world expects what the world's expecting romance to be and so forth. And uh, we're crying out loud. We're putting our foot down saying that's not what it is. Well, talking about the worldly romance, we have this holiday here called Valentine's Day. 
Uh, some people, I guess, will say it was created by the greeting card companies. I know that there is <laughs> and by women the, who wanted to make men pay up. <laughs> the, <Yeah. laughs> the Saint Valentine. But what should Christian couples keep in mind then when celebrating Valentine's Day? Well, I think it's good to um, set aside a day to to celebrate and 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 focus on your love for each other. You know, just just as it's good to set a day aside for giving thanks to God or for uh, celebrating your your nation or something like that. It's 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 a good thing. It's not that you're you love each other less the rest of the year, but it's just kind of a day where when when you can focus on that. And that being said. Leave those expectations and standards that the world has has set up uh, aside, and you know, just focus on you know what we know to be the the positive Christian values and and the actual love that that you have for each other. Do those things that are good and appropriate and desired for you, and um, avoid avoid the other things. I will say that. Valentine's Day is a really great day, whether you know you're talking about a dating couple or or a married Christian couple. A good opportunity for couples to communicate their desires and preferences. This is what I like. This is what I I would really appreciate. Or this is not my thing at all, and things like that. Because a lot of the stories that you you hear are. I, I got her this. I thought she'd love it, but she she was really upset with me for the whole day. All sorts of things like that, and it's just you think you hear about it and you're like, well, why didn't you talk about that ahead of time? And there are expectations that are un, unmet because they were unspoken. And it's it's just a wonderful opportunity, obviously not on Valentine's Day, but at least a few weeks before Valentine's Day, particularly early in a relationship. But sometimes it's good to revisit this as, as the years go by and say, okay, I know this day is coming up. This is what I would really appreciate. Or, you know, I I know you want to take me out to a a fancy restaurant, but really that's not what I'd like. I'd rather just do this other thing, you know, and get all that stuff out. And uh, it's going to make the day a lot happier. I I think what Jeff is saying is that you still are influenced by the world. And not all influences are bad. And the the world is saying, we got this day that's supposed to be a time to care for the one you love and so forth. So I think it is a good idea. I, I'm, I after listening to you now, I'm going to have to take all my tools back that I bought her for Valentine's <laughs> Day. But the, uh, but, but, but you know, really the, um, it, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to, to communicate really. And I don't know, you know, when I think every marriage counseling circumstance I had been involved with, uh, communication usually was the number one problem. When things started going awry, somebody just didn't talk about it. We have a crazy thing around our house, and that is we never seem to be able to observe any holiday on the right day. First of all, with a lot of children, you know, they're even your major holidays, Christmas, Easter, you never can do that together. And, and even Valentine's Day and birthdays and so forth, the travel schedules. You know, like right right now, like this uh, tomorrow, we're going to uh, take off and we're going to just go to the town I grew up in and we're just going to walk around and we'll talk a little bit. And, and that, I mean, but it's something different. And what, what it's going to mean for her, the one thing that Jeff's right on, that she's communicated to me, and that is, I just want to spend some time with you. So, so, so that's it. And come Valentine's Day, you guys can all pay the exorbitant prices and the, the restaurants and everything, and we'll go a little while after that. Well, I was going to say that, you know, once you realize that, you know, the things that the culture attaches to Valentine's Day, it gets a lot easier to say, 
why don't we go out on the 12th? Yes. Or why don't we go out on the 15th? And yeah. you, you know, you're not dealing with the crowds. You're usually saving money. Um, you know, the cho- flowers are cheaper, particularly after Valentine's Day, you know, all the, all those kinds of things. And, you know, if, if, if you've talked about it ahead of time, you know, that works out good. You know, that's not a surprise husbands for you to spring on your wives, you know, on the 14th <laughs> to say, guess what, honey, I decided we're celebrating on the 16th instead. You know, that's definitely something to talk about ahead of time. Yes. But, Valentine's does fall in the middle of the week, so maybe a good excuse to then celebrate on the weekend this year. Yeah, especially this year <laughs> since it also falls on Ash Wednesday. That's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you both for this discussion today, and we thank all of our listeners, too. We hope that uh, those of you that are celebrating Valentine's have a good Valentine's Day, and we look forward to having you back next time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. Please consider subscribing to this podcast, giving us a review wherever you access it, and sharing it with friends. We're sure you have questions on today's topic or other life issues. Our goal is to help you through these tough topics, and we want you to know we're here to help. You can submit your questions as well as comments or suggestions for future episodes at lifechallenges.us or email us at podcast at christianliferesources.com. In addition to the podcasts, we include other valuable information at lifechallenges.us, so be sure to check it out. For more about our parent organization, please visit christianliferesources.com. May God give you wisdom, love, strength and peace in Christ for every life challenge.